And how many of you think you understand a million, right? The idea of a million, okay? A million. And so a million, to, to put it in reference of time, a million seconds ago, how long did he say that was? 12 days. A million seconds ago was 12 days ago. Okay, I can wrap my head around that, right? And uh, a billion is a thousand million, okay? Do you understand how that works? A billion is a thousand million, okay? So if, if a million was 12 days ago, how long ago was was a billion seconds ago, okay? Right? It, it, some of us think months, some of us think years. Actually, a billion seconds ago was May 1975, okay? A billion seconds ago was May 1975. And remember, the biggest star we have discovered at this point is a quadrillion, t- seven quadrillion times the size of Earth, okay? Um, a trillion, okay? Now we're talking about national debt, okay? Trillions, a trillion seconds ago, a trillion seconds ago, how long ago was that? So, okay, so if, if it was 1975 for a billion, are we talking 1500s or what are we talking? No, a, bil- a trillion seconds ago was tw- 29,700 BC. Okay. A, tr- a trillion seconds ago was 30,000 years BC, okay? And a quadrillion would be almost 31 million years ago. In seconds, a quadrillion seconds. And so Louis Giglio last, last week, if you weren't here, you have to watch it online because here's what we're saying. The God who breathed the universe into existence, who breathed that star without thought into existence, who just handcrafted it, it says that he knit you together in your mother's womb, that he knit you together with the care of a grandmother knitting together a scarf. He knit you together in your mother's womb and he knows and cares about every detail of your life and my life. That God who created the universe cares about us intimately. And, and what we're talking about for the next three weeks, I am so excited about because here's the deal, is that the one who breathed the stars into existence came to visit us, came to be with, he, he knows us and he came to be with us. The, the one who created the universe came to be our savior. And for the next three weeks, we're talking about this word, Emmanuel. Uh, this week, uh, in fact, yesterday, I was passing by and the boys were watching TV and I was walking out through the garage and I saw that they were watching the Christmas tree being lit in New York. Did anybody see that yesterday morning? Um, they light the Christmas tree and they have a bunch of fanfare and, and, uh, and singing in the background was this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, just on national TV. And it's a Christmas song. And the problem with Christmas songs is that they're Christmas songs and they're sentimental and, and we really, we don't even hear them anymore. We just hear the tune and we hear the notion and we hear the, the joy of Christmas and the bells and the, the lights and O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. And when Jesus came, Jesus said, I am God. And for the next three weeks, we're talking about Emmanuel. Today, we're talking specifically about Jesus said, I am God. And next week, we're going to talk about with and that, that he came to be with us. And the third week, we're going to talk about us and then we'll be at Christmas. So here, I want to get, I want to get you started because the question that, that many people ask, the question that you and I ask, even the question that Jesus asked is, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Let's hear what a few other people have said. Who do you say Jesus was? I have no idea. Who was Jesus? Gosh, I have to start with, I'm not sure. Who was Jesus to you? 
some guy. Actually, I don't believe in Jesus. Not really sure exactly who Jesus was. I think Jesus was uh, was a was kind of a cool guy back in his day. Who was Jesus to you? <laughs> I think I'm done. I don't like to talk about it. I'm a spiritual person, but I'm not religious. Who do you think Jesus was or is? Uh, Jesus was a historical figure. I believe that Jesus Christ was a man who had an extraordinary ability to link in with the Creator. I think he was uh, definitely someone that people, you know, a good role model. I, I do think he had a lot of great ideas. More or less, he was just a prophet, which is just a messenger of God. Sort of a revolutionary in his day. Jesus was an amazing man. I don't believe he's God's son. I just believe he's a person. As to his, like, godlike quality, I'm not totally sold on that. You think he was a prophet? That would, see, I'd have to be Christian to really believe that. Jesus was the Messiah for some people, and for some people he wasn't. I'm not necessarily sure if Jesus was the Messiah or a prophet, but in either case, he was somebody that spoke the word of God. He was equal portions of of human and uh, and that energy that is God. People said he was sent by God. Well, no one, God doesn't send him down. You don't go on up. <laughs> I mean, you he linked in. I mean, I do believe in Jesus in the sense of, like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. That I'm, I'm not saying that he, he didn't exist or anything of the sort, but the fact that, um, I mean, I necessarily don't go and uh, pray to Jesus. Who was Jesus? Uh, Jesus is the son of God. Jesus was the son of God. I believe Jesus is the son of God who came to save us all from our sins. Jesus was a savior. Who died for our sins and cleaned us made us pure enough to enter God's glory. The um, only way you can get to heaven. Who do you think Jesus is? Um, who do I think he is? I, I don't think it's who he was. I think he still is Jesus, so he's not gone or anything, you know. I guess embodied technically he is, but he's still here. The Jesus story sort of borders on history and myth for me, um, but I don't believe that it could have permeated our culture so fully and for so long if there was nothing to that. So who do you say that I am? That's the question that Jesus asks his disciples and really still through his word asks you and I today. If you're just joining us, we're talking about this word Emmanuel. For the next three weeks, we're going to talk about the fact that that Emmanuel was promised and, and in Christ, Emmanuel came. That Emmanuel, God is with us. God with us. That God came to be with us. The God that wrote the universe like we described last week came to be with us. And so many of us have asked the question, man, who really is Jesus. That might be the question that brought you here today. That might be the question that brought you to Christ years ago. Who is he? But people have been asking that question for years. And specifically, is it really possible for, for a human to be God? Is it really possible for those two to be together? The people in the video, much like people in your life, have many different opinions about, man, is it, is it really true? No, I don't want to believe it. I, and, and they either embrace the idea that he was God or they push it far away. And so today, we're going to enter into that. Um, 
most of us have this, this kind of dialogue in our heads as we think about Christ and we think about him possibly being God or not. Uh, my experience is that I'm human, right? My experience is that I'm human and I'm not God. So I really have a hard time understanding how, how a different human could be God, right? Does that make sense? How many of you feel like in your humanness, man, it would be, I can't really imagine what Jesus would be like to, to grow up and, and be in an imperfect family and, and to not have... An, and be God and be sinless because the scriptures describe him as sinless. And so my experience is that I'm human, not God. So there's no way. My experience is that none of my friends are even close to being God, right? So how in the world could a man be God? Now, many people, like even on the video, have proposed, well, Jesus was a good man and Jesus was a good teacher and good morals, but, but, but God, I, I don't know. I'm much more prone to believe the idea that that the good that he shared, that the idea of faith, that the idea of belief, I want to embrace those things. I want to embrace the idea of forgiveness. I want to embrace the idea of God loving me and good, but, but I, I don't know if he was God. I think he was really connected to God. Other people say, my experience says that if, if God were to be human in life, surely he would have come differently than Christ. We're about to celebrate the birth of Jesus and many of you or your neighbors have put up stables, right? And there's, there's little miniature barns and, and these awkward little statuettes of, of a place where Jesus was born and they're lit up in their yard. And, and the idea that the God of the universe would have come as an infant, first of all, because an infant's pretty powerless and not really aware of himself just yet or herself just yet. And, and the idea that God would send that child to be born into a middle-class family under the suspicion of being um, just a, a, an ill-conceived child, just the whole, the whole idea that he would do that into a, a blue-collar family, into a no-name place, would God really come that way to earth? Surely if, if God was really coming as a human, he would have come differently. Others of us think, because I don't know, because I don't think that God is personal, I don't think he would come personally. I don't think he'd come as a human. And our experience just says that God and humanity, they don't mix. You can't be fully human and fully God. That's kind of what our experience says. Even if, even if we believe it, and I stand here as one totally, fully believing that Christ was fully God and fully man, and yet my experience is that I'm totally not God. Right? I, I am fully human. I'm to, God has totally saved me, rescued me, and even begun to change me. But I am not God. And I've never met anyone who claimed they were God. And that was the experience of the people that Jesus came into time that surrounded him. And that's still the, the experience today. Let me put it this way to you. Um, how many of you have... Uh, uh, a favorite snack. Well, most of you have a favorite snack, right? Everybody has a favorite snack. And, um, and so what do we know about snacks? What do we know about, about things to eat between or after meals, right? Some of them are, are pretty healthy-ish, and some of them are, are not so healthy-ish, right? And uh, how many of you for your, uh, one of your favorite snacks uh, between meals is like a crown of broccoli? How many of you guys bust out a crown of broccoli and... Uh, Chew on a crown of broccoli between snacks. Does anybody like raw broccoli? Yep, absolutely. There's a few. Yep. Raw broccoli is fantastic, right? And uh, I didn't wash this. I'm assuming that those sprayer things where I got it. <laughs> wash it. Raw broccoli. It's a good snack for you, right? Right? There's tons of evidently good green stuff in there. And uh, it's a good snack. It probably fills you up. It's good for you. 
Does anybody want crown of broccoli? Nobody? No takers? Yeah, come get it. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Well, just hold on just one second. Sorry. I'm making um, how many of you um, know that a real proper snack is something more like this, right? In between. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Now, how good is this for you? It's excellent for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, 280 calories, 14 grams of trans fats, 5 grams of saturated fats, 30 grams of sugar, and uh, four days worth of sodium, right, in this thing. But it tastes good, right? Right? This is the kind of snack. Now, now here's the thing. Um, like, most of us know that, that there are um, two kinds of snacks, a healthy snack and an unhealthy snack. And really, the two don't mix, these two don't mix too well, right? These two don't really mix well. And if, um, if you go back a few years, this is kind of the only two snacks that were really available, right? Like, you go to um, my great-grandfather, I was with Thanksgiving with my family, and um, I'm with my grandfather, my kid's great-grandfather. And um, my grandfather knows, like, about broccoli and Snickers bars, right? He doesn't know anything. Like, he sees one of these. He sees a protein bar, right? And this isn't the best protein bar you can buy. But he sees a protein bar. And what does this look like? It looks like a chocolate bar. It tastes like a chocolate bar, right? That can't be, that can't be healthy for you, right? And... and and the idea that this thing has, you know, 19 minerals and vitamins and no sugar in it and 14 grams of protein and it tastes great at the same time, I don't, I don't believe it, right? Because what I know is I know these two things, right? I know good and kind of chewy, right? I'm going to be chewing on that for a few days. And, uh, and I know sweet and not good for me, but I don't know, I don't know about something in between, a combination of both. Who wants Snickers bar? All right, here we go. Who wants that broccoli? Oh, you want that broccoli crown. Absolutely. Who wants the power bar? Here we go. All right, so um, here's the thing. Most of us, our experience is that human is human and, and God is God, right? But, but I, I don't understand how they mix. And, and Jesus came and he said, I am fully God and I am fully human. And that God who spoke the world into existence, he came to be with us. The one who knit us together and holds all things together, he came to be with us and he, he knows the deepest desires of our hearts. And so I'm going to pray for us and, uh, and we're going to jump into this today, okay? God, my prayer is that you would speak today, God, that you would reveal yourself. God, there are, there are a huge number of us here today who are going to hear what you said about yourself, your relationship with the Father, that you and he are one, that you are God. And God, you're blowing our minds. Some of us are here for the first time, and it is a really big, big pill to swallow. And some of us have been here for a long time and we've heard these words, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and we've sung them year, for years and years and yet we've never really thought about the fact that God, you came to be with us and you are with us and you ask us to walk with you, God. So this morning, I ask God that you would teach us from your word, that your Holy Spirit would, would light this place up with truth. 
Only God, you can do that. God, use words and use worship and use video and use your spirit to speak to us, to speak to me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so let's jump right in. This has always been the question, is who is he and could he be, could he be both man and God? Could he be both teacher and could he be both rabbi and really God? You see, it, it's always been the question. The people around Jesus, the people around him, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, do you know what they asked? They said, he's obviously a man. There's no way he's God. Okay, we're going to get into that later. And we're going to look at it. But he said, he's obviously a man. There's no way he's God. Okay, but if you fast forward to 1 John, which is probably written you know, generally right around 90 AD, which is 50 years after, call it 50 years after Jesus was crucified, buried, raised from the dead, and went to heaven. 50 years later, do you know what the church is struggling with? There's teaching in the church that says, well, he's obviously God because this thing has taken over the world, but there's no way that he was man. You see, that's, the, the question is always, how can he be both? Okay, he obviously was significant because it changed the world, right? But there's, there's no way that he could be both. And so as time goes on, people struggle over the argument, was he God or was he man? But, but really what they're asking is, there's no way he could be both. In 1 John, here's what he says. In 1 John 1, 1, he says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. This is John speaking because he said, I saw him with my eyes. We looked at and our hands have touched. He said, my hands were on the dude. Okay? This we proclaim concerning the word of life. John says, listen, you know he's God, but I'm here to tell you I was with him. He was a man. Okay, so, but, but then by 400 AD, by 400 AD, the church is again wrestling with this and, and they're teaching on it. A guy who was a pastor then, um, St. John Chrysostom, uh, he, was the, um, he was the Archbishop of Can- uh, Constantinople. Um, I say that four times in a row, right? John Chrysostom, Archbishop of Constantinople. Say that four times in a row, I promise you. Okay, all right, here's what he said. I don't think of Christ... I don't think of Christ as God alone or man alone, but both together. Okay, kind of like a power bar, right? Both together. For I know that he was hungry, and then I know at the same time with five loaves he fed the 5,000. I know he was thirsty, and I know he turned water into wine. I know that he was carried in a ship, and I know that he walked on the sea. I know that he died and I know that he raised the dead. I know that he was set before Pilate, and I know that now he sits on a throne with his father. I know that he was worshipped by the angels, and I know he was rejected by men. And truly, some of these I ascribe to the human, and others to the divine nature. For by reason of this, he is said to be both God and man. And that was in 400 AD. You see, from the start, people have tried to grasp how can Jesus be both God and man. So we're going to jump right into it. The scriptures foretold of Emmanuel, God with us. 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophets of Israel spoke of who was coming, a child that was coming. And there was, there was an immediate child into the, into the line of the, of the kings that was spoken of, Right? There was an immediate, a lot of times when prophecy happens in the Old Testament, there is an immediate, uh, in the near coming years, answer to that prophecy. 
And then there is a far off one that God meant that even the prophets didn't understand, right? And that's exactly what happened here. And so in Isaiah, who prophesies quite a bit about Christ, Isaiah prophesies about a coming son. And here's what, here's what he says. He says uh, in uh, Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Okay? In Isaiah, the word virgin uh, means, okay, so it, it, both, it both means there that there was, there was one to come. There was a, a young princess who would have a son. And, and that was, and if, you read the rest of the, if you read the rest of the prophecy, that rolls out in a few years after that. And yet you go to Matthew, and here's what Matthew says. Uh, in, in Matthew one twenty one. here's what God says. It says, she will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. This is the angel speaking to Joseph about his wife, his, his, his not yet wife, his fiance, who has just turned up pregnant. And the angel comes and speaks to Joseph and says, listen, she will give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And he continues in verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And in verse 23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Okay, so the, the, the angel reaches back and says, this prophecy was not only immediately responded, or it wasn't only for an immediate purpose in Judah, but it also led to the birth of this one. The virgin will conceive and give birth to Emmanuel, God with us, who will save his people from their sins. And God, the one who knit the world together, came to be this. So it was prophesied. The scriptures foretold of Emmanuel. The angels called the son of Mary Emmanuel. In the scriptures, um, in Luke 2.11, um, the, the angels call out to the shepherds, and they call down and they say, listen, go and see this one who is going to be born. Go and see this, this king who is going to be born today in Bethlehem, Emmanuel. He is going to be born. And the shepherds went and saw him. And John describes it this way. He says in John 1.14, he says, The word became flesh. God, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus himself, as he came into ministry, claimed to be God with us. We're going to go forward to John 10. In John 10, Jesus' whole public ministry led up to him saying, I am one with the Father. In John 10, here's what he says. The Jews were there, gathered around him, and they said, how long will you keep us in in suspense? If you were the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you did not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they never perish. No one will snatch them from my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. And again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said, have I, shown to, have I shown you good works from the Father? I have shown you good works from the Father. For which of those do you stone me? 
We're not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. If you understand, Jesus constantly claimed he was God, overtly like this, and when he interacted with people and he healed them and he forgave them of their sin. He acted like God because he was God. He said, I forgive you of your sin. You see, if I sin against you and you sin against me, if you do something wrong against me, I can, I can forgive you, right? I can say I forgive you, but, but if you have sin with other people and I claim to say that I forgive you, well, who am I to forgive you? That doesn't even make sense. The only one that can forgive is God alone. And the Pharisees understood it and they said, tell us plainly. And so he did. He said, I and the Father are one. I am God. And they picked up stones to stone him and eventually they crucified him because he said he was God. In John 14, here's what he said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. Further, as I said, Jesus was crucified for claiming that he was God. In Luke 22, they said, are you the son of God? He replied, this is as he was being tried. He said, you say that I am. Then they said, what more do we need any testimony? We have heard it from his own lips. And they crucified him. We, as people, crucified him over this issue that he said, I am God. And we just, we can't understand how the two blend. How does human and man blend? And the Jews crucified him. You see, the people around him, the disciples, they came to believe this. And they came to worship him as God. Nowhere in all of time would be least likely for people to believe that God could become man than first century Jews. Nowhere. Um, If you go into the East and you have pantheism, there are people that always have believed in avatars that, that God could take on forms and come into life. And, and that's, what, that's what Eastern religions teach. And that's, that's what pantheism brings many gods and many of them come into life where people are really connected with God and God shows up. Or even the, Jew, even the, the Gentile polytheists around the first century Jews, the Greeks and the Romans, they believe even in Acts, a couple, a couple years later, Paul and Barnabas are teaching and they're doing miracles and they're doing great things, many things like Christ. And what did the people around them assume? They assumed that they were Zeus and Hermes who took on bodies and came down in. And so even the, the polytheists who thought there's many different gods thought that people came into human form. But nowhere, even in the Old Testament, did people suspect that the Messiah would be God and human together. They, didn't, they couldn't even dream of it. God was far off. Remember Moses when he was in the face of God? He walked away completely with his face shining that there was no togetherness of, of God and man. And so first century Jews, for them to understand that, that Jesus came and was God and man, they would have nothing of it. Every other religion says that, that their teacher is simply a teacher of great morality and the way in which, which goodness and morality and practice lead to God. That's the difference between every other religion and Christianity. That, that goodness and right practice lead towards salvation, right? And there's many different ways and many... Di- but, but Jesus came and said absolutely no goodness and morality and no practice will get you to me. There is nothing you can do to get to God that you can only come through forgiveness, that you can only come through repentance, that you can only come through faith in me. 
He said, I and the Father are one. No one comes to the Father but through me. So what do we do today? What do we do today if Jesus says he is God? Because, because some of us have, have long since thought that, that Jesus was a, a good option. In fact, he might not even be your favorite option, but he, he's a positive, solid, good, moral option for some. And what do you do if you hear that, that Jesus says, I am God. I am the one who, who spoke the universe into existence, and I'm here as Savior. What do you, what do you and I do? C.S. Lewis, almost a century ago, probably articulated it clearest for our generations when he said that you can't actually believe in Jesus as a good person, as a good teacher, as a good option if you don't believe that he is God because Jesus clearly said, I am God. And so if he's not God, he's either evil or he's at best crazy and he's like some other flake with a false claim. And so for you and I, as we approach this Christmas season, as we, as we contemplate Emmanuel, what do we do? Jesus, right before he was crucified, right before he was arrested and tried and crucified and buried and resurrected, right before that, he ate one last meal with his disciples. He ate one last meal, and when they broke the bread, he said, when you break bread around the table, I want you to remember that my body is going to be broken for you. Me, God, my body is broken for your sin. And when they passed around the wine, he said, listen, when you, when you take a drink of wine, I want you to remember that my blood was spilled for you. And I want you to do this in remembrance of me. And so today, as we close, we're actually going to take communion. And we're actually going to say, Emmanuel, God with us. The band is going to come on up. The, the Connections team is going to get ready to serve us communion. And, and here's my request to you today. That you, would, that you would actually say, God, thank you for being with us. Thank you that you not only knit together all the stars, some of them that are so far away, I can't even fathom how big they are and how, how far away they are. You knit that together, and, or you, you spoke that into existence, and yet you know me and came and saved me. That you paid the price for my sin. And so today, what we're going to do as we, as we take communion um, is we're going to, we're going to actually enter in to just this 2,000-year-old ceremony of saying, God, you are with us, and we want to be with you. We want to remember that you lived and died and rose again for our sins. That you didn't just speak the universe into existence and stay far off, that you came close. And my invitation to you today, if you're here and this is, this is new to you, my invitation to you today is to say, Jesus, I, I want to believe in you. I want to trust in you for the forgiveness of my sins. And I, I want to be with you the same way you came to be with us. I want... I want to be with you as you take the bread and the cup. The Connections team is going to come on forward. And, and my, uh, my invitation to you is that as the, the cup and the bread go by, that you would you'd take it. Uh, we're going we're gonna to actually sing and perform for you, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And in this moment, my, 
my request is that you would take, and really when you're ready to say, God, would you come? God, would you come to me? Would you, would you be with me? When, when you're ready to do that, that you would take. You, you're going to get the cup and you're going to get the bread. Hold them. Pray together as a family, as a couple. Um, pray by yourself. Whatever is, whatever is good for you. But then when, when you're ready to say, God, I want to be with you. Thank you for being with us. That you would take it at that point. We're going to praise God and thank you that he came to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. God, we give you thanks. We give you praise that you didn't stay far off, but you came close. You didn't, you didn't hide behind a huge, huge star quadrillions of miles away. That you came close and you, you knew what it was to be human, and yet you were perfect. You knew what it was to be tempted, and yet you, you were holy. And that you knew that we were lost, and you rescued us. You paid the price for our sin. God, so we want to celebrate that this morning and give you thanks and praise. And so God, even as we take communion this morning, we praise you and we say, O come, O come, Emmanuel.